If a Christian doesn't pray about heaven, that's a remarkable lack. Who ever heard of exiles not thinking about home? Now, I said, that's exactly what the rosary is. We are in a new moment of time and a new moment of space. So we keep saying to our Lord and to the Blessed Mother, I love you, I love you. That's the Holy Rosary. That's the Catholic faith. The whole Catholic faith is in it. Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade. Your rosary is back on the road. I have to apologize once again for yesterday. We had new developments at home. It, uh, and we had this time with sick kids, so I ended up having to spend a little bit of time helping my wife out and changing a lot of bed sheets and doing a lot of laundry. Uh, tis the season. You know, we have, as we draw closer to these great feasts, both God and the devil become more active uh, in our lives. Uh, one to dissuade us uh, from the feast, and the other to use those opportunities. Uh, to mold us into better Christians. I was reading a wonderful passage yesterday. Uh, it just happened to be yesterday in the midst of all of this from uh, Father Chatard's book where he talks about the Christian as living stone worked upon by the divine chisel. And I thought that that was a really beautiful image for all of us to bear in mind whenever we encounter our troubles. Uh, however great or small they may be and um, in comparison to some of the people that I've prayed for here and that we've prayed for together all of us over the past uh, few weeks and months really these troubles are very small in, in my life so I don't have much to complain about but it is a, a little chisel blow you know that helps to shape us it helps to draw out who we are, who God intends us to be, just as Michelangelo drew David out of that great stone of faulted marble. He was that, that's that's one of the that's another wonderful story about that. Is we see these beautiful masterpieces. I think the the tomb of uh, of Julius II is another one with Moses uh, and all of that. These marble stones were given to Michelangelo in part because they could not be used for other purposes. And so from them, from this waste marble, he created these beautiful artworks, these portrayals of the great figures of the Old Testament, and honored kings and popes with that which to human eyes was flawed, but to his eyes contained greatness. And as flawed and indeed truly flawed a man as Michelangelo was, and nevertheless in that there is a touch of the Creator who sees in fallen man what ought to be and what truly is, and through the work of the divine chisel seeks to draw it out. I'm sure that's not a very original thought, but it's one that's good to reflect on, I think, right now, more than uh, 
more than usual, perhaps. We have another, and to add to that, we have a, a prayer of thanksgiving, uh, in part. D.W., one of our uh, regular listeners, who wrote in when he was looking for a job and then wrote in when he had an interview, and now has a job and starts it this week. So we have two rounds of answered prayers that we have participated in saying. Let us hope that this last one is answered as well. I'd like to pray for him. I'd like to pray for his employer. One always hopes that one has a reasonable employer and one who is understanding both of personal things as well as the broader threats that face the uh, worker these days. So I'd like to pray very earnestly for him. And I encourage you also to send in any prayer requests you may have. Uh, we're going on a hiatus of an indeterminate length. I think the format of the show may be changing slightly uh, when I come back in January. And I have not decided. Originally, I was saying January 3rd. The more and more I look at the projects that I have coming up, the more I think I may want to have that extra week. Uh, so I may not be back until the following week, which is January the 9th. I may take two weeks off rather than one week off uh, for the for Christmas and the Christmas season leading up into Epiphany. Uh, that's not unusual, I suppose. It's uh, Things are kind of grinding to a halt here uh, as we come to the end of the season and at the end of the uh, at the end of the Advent series in particular. So it's time to reevaluate, go back over, make sure that this is this broadcast is still accomplishing what I set out to accomplish for all of you, uh, that is still doing what it should be doing, and how to make it do that more effectively. Uh, cultivating my own spiritual life, my own interior life, I think I've really exhausted uh, the amount of the kind of reflections that I can devise without bettering my own spiritual life. I think I've kind of exhausted that. And I don't want to just become a bag of hot air, which I'm afraid of. I'm afraid very much that I am becoming. I want to make sure that I'm producing things that are insightful for all of you. So, that with that in mind, I'm going to take a two weeks off and uh, treat it as a sort of retreat after a fashion. And get a handle on what we're really trying to accomplish here and whether or not this is helping to spread what we want to spread. Now, the website's not going away. The Daily Deck is not going away. I'm just making some adjustments and making adjustments takes a little bit of time. So we're going to see a little bit of a break. That's all. Um, In the meantime, please do not be reluctant to write in uh, any prayer requests, any comments, any advice, any thoughts that you have on the past four series. We have been doing this now for over a year. Uh, I mean, this upcoming March will be two years I started recordings. Uh, now, the ones that are on Anchor are somewhat limited, but I started doing this recording in March of 2020. So this is going on two years, almost, almost, almost two years that the series has been going on. Uh, with that in mind, obviously reevaluation is necessary, but it's not going away. I'm just going to change some things, do some side projects. I've got one coming up that I'm very excited for. I'm hoping that it will come to fruition around Candlemas. But uh, we'll see what happens. It requires the participation of other parties. So you know, we'll do with that what you will. 
Now that's a very long, drawn out, and probably unnecessary little talk on housekeeping issues. I hope you forgive me for it. I just want to make sure everybody's informed of what's going on, in case you're interested. Now, as I said, if you have anything to write in, I don't want you to stop writing in. Continue to use the email, dailydecadrequests at protonmail.com, decad, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural, at protonmail.com. Feel free to continue to comment, praytherosaryeveryday.wordpress.com, or we will continue to be syndicated over at Exodus Americanus. I'm not severing any relationship there. Uh... You can also drop me a line on Gab. I have withdrawn from the Fediverse. I believe Mario Goretti at NobodyHasThe.biz is still on there, uh, largely because I've had had trouble deleting that account. I'm also, I think I'm probably just going to leave up the episodes that are up there. But the amount of impurity that appears on that uh, board and in large part the Fediverse in general because of the way that the different uh, what's the word that I'm looking for iterations I suppose the, the way that they overlap uh, was becoming a burden uh, a spiritual burden in, in Advent and as our Lord says if thy right hand offend thee cut it off uh, if thy eye offend thee pluck it out so I thought it better despite the reach that I was having there and we had one particular listener uh, who uh, I reached regularly and he'll probably hear this uh, I think that despite what good might come from being on uh, post or nobody has the dot biz or any one of the other Fediverse instances uh, there's a lot more evil that comes from it and I, I want to put some distance between myself and that but we'll be back on Telegram at the end of Advent, starting on Christmas. Uh, the Telegram will remain, even though we're taking a break from broadcasting, I'll still be checking Telegram, so feel free to reach out to me. Uh, and uh, we'll get, uh, I think I am going to open a messaging account on Telegram just to receive uh, prayer requests for the Daily Decade and see what we can do about getting that number from 940 up to 1,000 before the end of the year. I don't know whether that'll be successful, but we're going to give it a try. For now, though... And I'm rambling on and on again. For now, let's go ahead and turn our hearts and our minds to God, get our rosaries out, and pray for our brother in Christ, E.W., that he has success in his new beginning, that he has a decent and reasonable employer, and that he is able to support all of those who are dependent on him. Today is a Wednesday, so we will be praying in Latin. In nomine Patris, Ephidii, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Pater Noster, quies in celis, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicur in celo et in terra, panum nostrum quotidianum da nobis odiae, Et dimini nobis debita nostris, sicut et nos dimidimus debitoribus nostris. Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, nominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. 
Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Teco. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Fidio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicurerat in principio, et nunc et semper et in seculus seculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia, vita lucedo et spes nostri, salve. A te clamamos exulis fidei evi, a te suspiramos gementes et plentes, in hac lacrimarum vale. Ea erogo ad vacana nostra, ilos tuas misericordes oculos ad nos converte. Et Jesum, beatum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. O clemens, o pia, o dulce Virgo Maria. Ora per nobis, sancta Dei Geratrix. Ut digni officiamor permissionibus Christi. Aremus. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O St. Joseph, patron of the worker, St. Andrew and Peter, eldest and foremost 
of the apostles, called from work to new work. We humbly beg thy intercession before the throne of Almighty God, whom you did serve in different capacities as he called you. On behalf of his servant, D.W., who now is called to serve in a new capacity, a new beginning, a new employment, secular indeed, but nevertheless may it be turned to the service of God, and by thy intercession may he be strengthened to do this. May his employer be blessed with the grace of wisdom and the foresight necessary to provide a workplace that fosters work dedicated to God. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the font of all works, the blesseder of all works, who livest and reignest with God, the Father and Creator, and the Holy Ghost, the enlightener and enlivener, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in our daily works, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacritissimo cor Jesu, miserere nobis. Sacritissimo cor Jesu, miserere nobis. Sacritissimo cor Jesu, advenia regnum tu. In nomine Patris, Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hmm. I guess I should have said all good works or all work. The prayer has some implications in it that are perhaps incorrect, but now I've corrected those implications so you don't have to worry about it. Excuse me. The topic of today's reflection is the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary into Heaven, a doctrine unique to the Catholic Church. In fact, I recall being told once uh, that it was impossible uh, by uh, an Orthodox priest, although I've spoken to other Orthodox priests who feel very differently, and there are a number of Orthodox churches that bear the title of the Assumption of the Theotokos. Which, by the way, for those playing the home game, Theotokos is a Greek word that means Mother of God. That's all. Uh, it's uh, Sancta Dei Genetrix. Dei Genetrix would be the Latin equivalent of Theotokos. Whatever the case. The assumption is a... It's an odd sort of thing because it's a controversial doctrine that doesn't seem like it ought to be a controversial doctrine. Enoch is caught up into heaven, body and soul. Elijah is caught up into heaven, body and soul. Why is it strange that the mother of God should be caught up into heaven, body and soul? She has served a higher purpose on this earth than either, than any of the great patriarchs of the faith going all the way back to Adam. Why is it unfitting that she should? seems to make perfect sense to me. But that's rather the thing, isn't it? Is you, you, you have a, a perfectly sensible, very plain uh, idea that because of human complexity, 
and human pride and human difficulties and faults becomes complex, scandalous, and controversial. Such that in, the, in this particular case, we had to have a pope stand up and dogmatically define the belief in it. Usually, you only have to do that if a doctrine is under question and bears a real threat of being rejected by those that should accept it. Sort of a last-ditch effort to make sure that this doctrine is believed because it is correct. That's the case with the Assumption uh, with uh, Pius XII. The last dogma to be uh, doctrinally defined, I think it, it may have been one of the last ex cathedra statements in the fullest sense. Uh, the last major expression and employment of papal infallibility uh, in the last, well, since then. Maybe the last one in history up until now. Uh, ever since the Vatican Council, uh, there have been sort of ambiguities that grow up around it. But I'm not going to get into all of that. It's not important. The important thing is, is that we have a doctrine that seems very that seems simple enough and yet is very controversial because of man's complexities, his incessant need to intellectualize everything. Our Blessed Mother is gifted in her ability not to intellectualize, despite the fact that she certainly would spent most of her life around men of tremendous learning. When she went into the temple as a young girl, as we believe that she did, she spent somewhere close to 11 years, 12 years, in the temple serving as a virgin uh, that assisted with the worship of God. And she spent most of that time in contemplation. It was a sort of novitiate for her. And in that time, she was surrounded by incredibly learned men who spoke learned things. Was, this is the beginning of the emergence of the Talmud at the time, which is a long, which originally was just commentaries on the scripture. Eventually it became very broad permissions uh, given. Uh, there's a, fa- a famous saying, I forget which rabbi said it, that what the Torah forbids, the Talmud permits. Uh, and it does, through roundabout ways. It can take you know, any disgusting proposition, and it does take many disgusting propositions, and make them a matter of, uh, well, a matter of fact. You just sort of matter-of-factly believe these sorts of things. The moral justifications in the Talmud can be quite disgusting, in fact. But in the beginning, it was really nothing more than commentary on the Old Testament and uh, commentary on the scriptures as they understood them. And our Blessed Mother was surrounded by learned men in the temple. And we know this because our Lord, when he was a boy and he was remained in the temple with the scribes, he was surrounded by learned men. And he was just an ordinary visitor. So she must have heard many conversations and got very deep into theology. And then throughout her life, likewise, she was surrounded with and encountered uh, this sort of pious living that inevitably shaped her. And yet she's not puffed up. She doesn't develop an intellectual pride. And when the angel comes to Zachary... Zachary doesn't believe it. This is unreasonable. When the Blessed Mother hears the Archangel Gabriel, her reaction is very different. She asks whether or not she... She 
practically asks permission to remain a virgin for all intents and purposes. How can this be since I know not man? Now, most of us read that and we think, well, when something goes wrong, someone responds with, how can this be? But we miss, I think, the illocutionary thrust of that statement there, which is that, well, how can, how will this be done? How can this be done? Since I know not man, how can this be done but preserve my virginity, my purity, is the question that the Blessed Mother is actually asking. She never asks, why her? She never asks, you know, for, she never expresses disbelief or discontent or demands a proof, well, like Gideon did with the, uh, with the, uh, the wool on the ground or the dew. Remember that story. She never asks those sorts of questions. She asks one question, will my purity remain intact? And when the archangel more or less answers yes, then she says yes. And so, because of that, it demonstrates, rather, how, despite being surrounded by all this learning, all this intellectualism, all this commentary, our Blessed Mother internalized something fundamentally different in her time in the temple, and that was God. Because before Christ could dwell within her in physical form and become man, God had to dwell within her. And thus does the angel say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. That is the life that we are called to imitate. And the assumption is the reward which we may accept which is the total transfiguration of our entire being. Now, the Blessed Mother is uh, assumed into heaven, body and soul. We know that we have a bodily re- resurrection coming. These are things that, we're, that we believe in as Christians. It's in the Apostles' Creed. And in her assumption is also there's a confession and there's a reward. The or what I should say, there's a witness and a reward. The witness is of her holiness. The reward is for the example that she set throughout her life. And we are called similarly. The reality of the assumption is, like the reality of so many other elements of our faith, a matter of faith. The apostles did not see her physically picked up and carried off. They did not see the exact moment. Now, there's also debate over whether or not she was dead first before and then brought back to life, or whether she was assumed still alive. Uh, I tend to lean towards the uh, assume still alive camp because it seems more appropriate that she should be allowed into heaven without the corruption of decay. Not that there aren't uh, incorrupt saints, and she might have been incor- and she might be incorrupt, but 
all in all, the idea of death affecting her before being assumed into heaven seems an inappropriate thing for the Mother of God. That's a personal opinion on my part, though. In any case, it's left as a matter of faith to us, because the apostles did not see it happen, and so the apostles cannot tell us that it happened. And so we're left sort of asking that question. And in this way, she's rewarded the same, she's rewarded with a place of faith similar to that of her son. We believe that he rose from the dead based on faith. We have some eyewitness testimony, which is derivative of other eyewitness testimony. But we have more, the scriptures and the belief of the apostles and everyone that comes after them. And the same is true of the assumption. It required faith from everybody. It requires faith from us now. And so, let's see, did I talk about them all? I don't think I talked about hope. The whole idea was that I was going to weave the charity, the love of God, and the hope for the resurrection, and the uh, and the faith required for the assumption all together as into one tapestry. And you see how they all manifest themselves in the assumption, and how the assumption functions in our religious life. It's worthy of a reflection at any rate. And my prayer, very much, is that this faith, this hope, and this love, which are exemplified in the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, are reflected in ourselves. For we cannot choose a better human reflection for our hearts, in the mirror of our hearts, I should say, than that of the Blessed Mother. Because in reflecting the humanity of the Blessed Mother, we reflect the humanity and the divinity of her Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The moon is the symbol of Our Lady. The moon is for those in darkness. And I think in a special way for sinners. So that if we but look to her, who is the moon, and derives all light from the sun, they would never fall into an abyss. Now this is the rosary.